0: Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance, I left my executive role to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launched Christmas Day for Apple iOS. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a beautiful place for us to share our gold, our dreams, and create community. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at the Live headquarters. Dan Mason believes that the surest way to create the life you love is to first understand the life that is holding you back. The one that is hiding just underneath the surface the old beliefs, the unhealed trauma, and the ways in which you believe you are unworthy. Dan Mason is a nationally recognized career and life transition coach and host of the Apple number one debut podcast, Life Amplified. His work has been featured at the Huffington Post, The Good Men Project, and the nationally syndicated Elvis Duran Morning Show. Dan has helped clients in 13 countries discover their calling, leave their soul-crushing corporate jobs and create careers that are meaningful to their bank account and the world at large. Dan and I dig into trauma, both big T trauma and little t trauma, and the steps we take to understand who we are under the stories we've told ourselves. I love this conversation because Dan has successfully moved his clients from muted dreams into actionable next steps after he himself did the big, dirty work. Let's dig in. I am so excited to welcome back with me on Gold Dan Mason.
1: I know it's cool to be here and doing it in person this time. I know. So,
0: so the first time that we finally actually see each other in person, we're in San Diego yeah. in an amazing studio. Where we're gracing the space that Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra have been.
1: I know so that's Crazy pretty cool, right?
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it too, and I'm so glad that you're here. And I, um, I appreciate your contribution to Gold, and now with the Live app, you're going to be one of our contributors on the Live app. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, and today I'm going to to get deep.
1: Yeah, right.
0: I, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about trauma, Dan.
1: I know, right? It's going to be deep. It's so funny because, like, you know, my calling card and where I've sort of established myself in the coaching space is that, hey, you know, reinvent your career and do work you love, guy. Mm-hmm. And it's been really hard for me to personally reconcile, like, having these trauma conversations publicly because there's a little part of me that's like, well, I'm not some Ph.D. I'm not a psychotherapist. And yep. who am I to talk about this stuff? But what's interesting and what I've really stepped into is I'm somebody who's had a lot of trauma in my life. And I've done a crap ton of work to overcome a lot of the trauma. And so, you know, for and I've spent time studying and learning from people who are totally in that space. Mm. So, you know, I always look at it as just a chance to pass along some of the things I've learned. and, And we're all here to teach what we've had to learn. So... I'm nervous and excited for the conversation (laughs) all at once. We
0: were joking. I was actually really warm when we got started. I had a scarf on and I had to take it off as soon as we started (laughs) talking about, here's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I think it's really fascinating because one of the things that you shared with me and every time you and I talk and we talk about career, you get immediately into, but what's your belief under that, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's the experience that you're having with your clients is that as they come to you to try to whatever they're trying to do. They're trying to leave a career. They're trying to move into a new space. They're doing something big. All of these old stories about worth and all of this old junk comes out. And, you know, from my my past and my experience in writing my book, it's all for me about pulling out old messaging and generational, cultural, social belief systems. And then this weekend, this past weekend, I was just at the Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within Holy firewalk hell yeah <laughs> and it was like i'm still processing everything that came from that experience and mm-hmm. even if you're in a really great space where you're you feel like you kind of have pulled at the layers or pulled at the string and understand why you believe some of the things that you do, there's always still little things under there. Like I had no idea that I believed I have a maximum level of capability. Mm -hmm. And we're going through this whole process while we're there and we're talking about it. And it wasn't a trauma, but it was a belief that people are promoted to their level of incompetence. It was something that someone in my life used to say. So as far as I was concerned, you get to a certain level and then you fail. Mm-hmm. So I had been putting the ceiling above my head because, and self-sabotaging because I had this belief. But what about the folks who've had experiences that have been far more traumatic and have had a hard time reconciling those? And how are you seeing them bubble up in your
1: practice? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, one of the things I want to jump in on that you just said, what about the people who've had more trauma or had worse trauma? Mm-hmm. Trauma is trauma. And it registers the same in the body and I think a lot of times we you know we can be dismissive of the pain that we went through because we're like oh my god well somebody else had it so much worse or we'll try to compete at the level of trauma you know that people would be like oh you think you had it bad let me tell you about my childhood my upbringing so but there is no hierarchy of pain and I think a lot of times what I've really learned on my journey is we think trauma is about the incident that happened you know we think that the trauma is that the way we got hurt the person who hurt us and one of the best uh, definitions that I've heard from uh, about trauma uh, comes from dr. Gabor mate he says trauma is what happens inside of you as a result of traumatic events it's a loss of connection to oneself and to the present moment Mm. so trauma isn't the thing that happened but it's usually what happened after what did you make it mean Mm -hmm. you know how did it view your internal working model of the way the world works or what's possible for you because yes you know my work at a superficial level help people find their purpose and create a new career but why don't they well I'm not good enough Mm -hmm. I'm not resourceful enough Uh, fear of what will people think of me if I leave this successful career and do this other thing In, in your experience being an author and I've seen this in my life on the uh, just in my own podcast sharing stories from my life then it becomes am I allowed to speak up is it safe for me to use my voice mm. so those are the real things that are underneath and so often we just think we're born that way right that we came out of the womb with like the wrong DNA that we were born in our not enoughness that we were born to play small right. and you came out kicking and screaming and announcing yourself to the world when was the moment in your life when you learned that it was unsafe to do that? Mm-hmm. When did you learn that you had to hide? So that's the conversation really about trauma. It's, it's yes, let's talk about what happened. Let's approach that with empathy mm-hmm. and compassion and care, and let's hold space for that. But I think that that's where a lot of self-help falls short for people. Because, you know, in, and I have used therapist in my life and I've had amazing results from doing it. But one of the problems I see just in market research, when people come to me, they're like, well, Dan, I've done therapy. I've been in it for four years. I'm still talking about the same four stories. Yeah. So, you know, in my work, it's just yes, let's honor that. But let's rewire your subconscious to give it a new meaning mm-hmm. and then help you create the path forward that's authentic to you and, and what you're here to do and what you're here to give in this lifetime.
0: Talk to me about that rewiring process, right? Because I've done a ton of work. I had some bad experiences throughout my life, um, traumatic experiences that I've reconciled in a lot of ways. And it's not until I'm in certain moments that I'm like, oh, wow, I've done really good work in this space. Sure. Doesn't mean that there's still not triggers that show mm-hmm. up later. And I've had to learn how um, when they do, oh, this is something for me to deal with. This isn't you've triggered me. It's I am triggered because of a past experience. Yeah. So I've had to get to that place of self-awareness where I recognize how my behaviors might have been triggered by something that I have to deal with. But talk to me about the rewiring process. You know, I was just at this event with, with Tony Robbins where we had people who were visualizing the worst possible scenarios if the trauma that they'd experienced or their current fears continued, unprocessed, unhealed, for decades to come, and the sound of crying and wailing in the room was yeah. overwhelming. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, anyone that was empathic was probably <laughs> like, <laughs> completely overwhelmed. Position. I no. saw people post on Facebook. They're like, "I called him the armor of God because it was so, <laughs> it was so difficult to listen to fourteen thousand people, yeah, experiencing grief or trauma on a go forward." But his his mindset was, "I'm rewiring you. Right? We're gonna we're gonna feel it at its worst, but then we're gonna feel it at its best." yeah so talk to me about rewiring for you and what that means when you're working with your clients and I know that you believe in attachment theory I've I've played at the edges of it and I'm just curious as to what but that plays into this whole rewiring process. Yeah, I mean, process.
1: well, now we're going like down four roads at once. But like, there's a lot to cover today, obviously. And and I'm excited and I'm happy to be here to do it. Uh, in terms of rewiring, look, there's a number of different modalities, mm-hmm. right? You know, Tony Robbins comes from NLP and hypnosis. There's things like neurofeedback. There's, you know, people are doing like equine therapy or what. I mean, there's so many different modalities. And it's really about what's the thing that's going to work for you but again a lot of times you know we try to go to the level of okay I'm gonna rewire my subconscious so I'm gonna I'm gonna say some positive affirmations right. and I'm gonna sit here with my legs crossed and I am worthy of the love and abundance of the universe and then like the voice in the back of your head is like screw you No, you're <laughs> not. you've never been right one of the things really when we talk about healing trauma is we try to jump to the reprogramming before we've even like shared what happened. And this is what happens, right? People are like, I had a friend, for instance, who was in this terrible narcissistic abuse marriage, they had been divorced for three years he was still sort of playing games and and messing with her financially and she was in a really bad place and she was just angry and on top of it there was a deeper trigger because of a a lot of dad issues that were similar right so it was even twice as bad because it's not just like i went through a bad marriage but it's literally the belief that i can't be safe around any man Mm. and she's got all these friends in the woo woo and spiritual community and they're like oh no honey you can't hate him we're gonna call in the Archangel Michael to do a cord cutting and I'm like no sometimes you know what sometimes you need the somatic experience of feeling the hatred Mm -hmm. and feeling the anger like that's not an unspiritual thing now you don't want to act from the place of hatred and retaliate but you have to be able to feel that you have to be able to share it and one of the best ways to you know when we talk about trauma recovery is having an empathetic witness You know, so often when we go through the trauma, we go into shame. We can't talk about it. It's not okay to talk about. We don't want to embarrass the family. You know, we don't want to cause pain for other people. Uh, So we hold it in for years and years and years. And then it just perpetuates more shame. And it's like a pressure cooker. It builds up over time until there's usually some crisis where we have to deal with it. You know, for me, one of the things that happened early in my childhood is there was a history of sexual abuse from, uh, you know, not directly in my family, but somebody, you know, just on the outskirts of it. And I didn't even remember it. You It probably happened between the ages of five and seven. And when I go back and I look at that time of my life, all the signs were there. You know, I was in and out of the hospital three times as a kid because I was having all these bad abdominal pains. And I would just sit in the bathroom, doubled over and scream. And like nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. They tested me for cancer and leukemia and like all this stuff. And nobody were like, we don't know what's wrong with them. I was having panic attacks because of what was going on. But what was crazy is I didn't remember any of what happened to me until like my 20s, you know, so we can go so into withholding and pushing down that. It ends up becoming a problem Mm -hmm. so when we talk about you know subconscious reprogramming the first thing we have to do is like who is the person who is an empathetic witness because when then when we speak up it's what do people do with it or do they believe you Mm -hmm. you know will they show up and be like I'm so sorry that that happened or are they saying well it's your fault you know that well you, you didn't speak up so you must have liked it or in some ways you know, like this happens, you know, abuse happens everywhere. Get over it because that further perpetuates the isolation and the shame and it just starts to snowball.
0: Yeah. And I can only imagine because like we have a tendency to try to see ourselves through other people's eyes and it's never mm-hmm. an accurate depiction. So finding that person that you can share with, I could see where you're like, you worry about what how they see you right? And and what they they reflect. But at some point in time, it's probably like you said, that pressure cooker where you need that person and you need them to be safe and you need Mm -hmm. to be able to trust them so that they can reflect back to you. Um, Was that your experience? Did you find that person?
1: Yeah, I mean, eventually, uh, eventually I was able to deal with that. Eventually, I, you know, I confronted one of the people Mm -hmm. who hurt me growing up. The second one I did not. And I was, there was healing around that. But I just had a powerful experience at a trauma retreat. I always joke, like, Every summer I go to trauma camp, (laughs) doing this deep work on myself. People are like vacationing Europe and I go to trauma camp. But
0: (laughs) You're like a completely different uh, spiritual experience.
1: (laughs) Right? Um, But I had this really powerful experience where I talked about some things that happened in my family that I had never spoken about publicly. Mm -hmm. And in a very safe container experience. And to have people hold that and people not shame me, not make me wrong, but actually show up and love me Mm -hmm. and hug me. I mean, that in and of itself was just a huge transformative moment in my life and being able to release and let that go.
0: Today Gold is brought to you by Live Media and the Live App, now available on the Apple App Store. We believe that healthy you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow. To that end, we have created accountability features and a platform of curated coaches and thought leaders in a wide variety of areas, all to bring each person to their best self as a whole and healthy individual. We do this through time-proven tools that offer personal accountability, measurable growth, a support system, and community. At all times, live guests have access to an accountability coach or to our network of coaches through email submission. Whether you simply want a goal set with a little support or have a coach provide you a monthly plan, We've got you. The team at Live has worked so hard to provide you something special, and since we love giving gifts and self-development is our thing, what better time to offer a gift to build out your 2020 vision than now? For a limited time, all guests who download the app will receive full VIP access for 30 days. That means goal setting, talks, challenges, and a one-on-one conversation with a Live Method coach to start your new year off right. Search Live Media Inc. in the Apple App Store or link to us through our Instagram account at loveisviral.media or mine at ms. Jeanette Schneider. This offer won't last. So sign up now on Happy New Year and New Decade. From the Live Fam to you.
1: huge transformative moment in my life and being able to release and let that go, you know. And uh, so yeah very very powerful to have the empathetic witness because you know and I think I'm so inclined to make jokes to break tension Mm -hmm. so after we're in the small breakout session I sort of spilled this story of what I had been through in my healing journey and then I looked at everybody just with a smile I'm like hey guys you know thanks for holding space for my greatest shame you know and one of the women who was there uh, and it was even more powerful because she was sort of a mom archetype. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a little bit older lady. She looked at me. and She goes, "Or the greatest survival story." And like literally, the minute that somebody said that, I was just uh, yeah. waterworks. Because
0: she saw and you. Was, yeah, and she saw through your that facade that you have, that little barrier that you have to make it okay.
1: Yeah. So it's not about what happened to you; mm-hmm. it's about what happened after that. What did you make it mean? And really the path forward is about realizing that the past can't be changed right Mm -hmm. that that you know there's so many people who wish things had happened differently it's not gonna move you forward it's really about uh, how do I relate to this differently because you know I talked to a guest one time on my podcast about trauma a woman by the name of Connie Lawrence and she was talking about this cycle of like you're a victim then you're a survivor And then you become a change maker.
0: Mm, I like that.
1: Yeah. So and by the way, one other thing I just want to address about trauma. We're talking today about all the big T traumas. Mm -hmm. Abuse, neglect, you know, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, you know, the, the financial abuse. There's all these things that happen in in families and happen in the world that are terrible. But trauma is also the small things, too. You know, like, and that's why I think a lot of people disassociate. They're like, well, I wasn't abused. I have no trauma. Literally everybody has trauma. Mm -hmm. I dated a girl in New York uh, last year when I was living there and she didn't really get any of this work I was doing. She's like, oh, well, my family was perfect. I have no trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh. And then we were a few drinks in one night and like she went to go try on a dress and like had this really big breakdown and started telling me about the time she was like, eight years old and wanted to get her hair cut into a bob and her dad took her to do it and she came home and mom said she looked fat mm. and it created like this whole lifetime of body image issues that's trauma Yeah. and you know it, her mom very well could have been a great person and a good mother and a good you know a, a, a largely positive source of love and nurturing but you still have trauma yeah everybody does so that's part of the you know part of the thing when people are like well dan i don't have trauma i'm like well we've already discovered like how well you've buried it
0: <laughs> yeah well and i think it's really it's it's interesting because with the little t trauma right i think about it with my daughter i'm very conscious of the languaging i use around her mm. knowing still that she's still getting messages that I, I i i'm not conscious of right that there's stuff that she's picking up that Um, is either subconscious on my behalf and for me you and I have talked about the fact like we both have had issues with our mothers Mm -hmm. and with mine um, I recognized when I became a mom I was frightened I wanted to have a baby so bad but when I found out I was having a girl I was like I don't know how to love a girl Mm. I don't know how to be a mom to a girl because I didn't have there was no there was no emotional connection there was no affection my mother was um, an alcoholic and For me to have a little girl, I was like, I can't do it the way I know it. So it became a very conscious way of parenting. Like every single time, every message, every communication, I purposely would hold and love on her to try to, like, what is this bond like? Used to be before I had my daughter, if I saw a woman hugging her mother, I would be incredibly uncomfortable. Mm. It would make me physically uncomfortable to see that, because I didn't know what that was like. That was weird to me. That was strange. And so with my daughter, I'm like, I know you're going to pick up things that I can't can't control or that I'm not aware of that we'll be dealing with later. But I'm very cautious, especially when it comes to body and advertising and social media and the way um, she looks at the relationship between men and women, that I'm very conscientious and I almost act like a a, like a life concierge <laughs> like <laughs> this is what this is this is what that is like i kind of walk her through what experiences she's going to to have in life and like we can talk about any of these whenever you're ready and i'll i'll be there to kind of guide you i'm like mm-hmm. your, your life guidance counselor um because that's that's the only way that i'm like i i want to actively be conscientious of the little t trauma Yeah. That I don't even realize she might be picking up.
1: Yeah. And by the way, you know, I don't know if anybody gets through childhood unscathed, you know, especially when it comes to little t traumas. Mm -hmm. Right. I I, look, I've got plenty of clients uh, who come to me who are super high achievers. Right. Like they are crushing it. You know 30 35 40 years old or there will be you know people who are 60 years old who have a 40 year track record making money getting the next promotion and yet they're unfulfilled mm-hmm. at every step it's never enough well what's born you know where is the overachiever born you know sometimes from a parent who was totally present but drove them too hard mm-hmm. so there's that as well you know like so, I don't know if anybody gets out of it unscathed uh, and I am not a parent. I was a step parent mm-hmm. in my marriage for a period of time. Um, I'm, but I don't have kids of my own. But the one thing I would say about the work that you're doing and your level of awareness and and consciously parenting, is you get to heal the things that your mom just didn't have the awareness or the know how to heal. Mm-hmm. So you get to say, Hey, these patterns, they end with me and my daughter. Yeah, and that's the most beautiful gift that you can that you can yeah. give to her
0: Do you want to hear something fascinating this is really cool this tell is me like, more tell you more So this was really interesting because I have spent a lot of time demonizing my mom mm-hmm. I've spent my life demonizing my mom mm-hmm. and it was easy to do um, and as I've gotten older and I've gotten more perspective and I'm kind of like I've had my daughter and I it's it's re-invented um, a mother-daughter relationship. Um, and I realized my mom had a lot of her own trauma and there was cycles of abuse that happened year after generation after generation after generation. And um, I'm like, I ended the cycle. I did this. I did this thing. I ended the cycle. And I got a text message from an old friend who had reached out and like six years ago, her brother had passed away from an overdose. Mm. I sent her a message and just said, hey, I just want you to know, like, I'm really sorry for your pain. Um, and we weren't really tight, but she'd sent me a message back. Our families had been close, and she said, "I want you to know that I love you, and I, I recognize that you had a hard go at it, um, because of your mom. But I want you to know your mother was a cycle ender." And I was like, "What?" And she's mm. like, "She was the first person to speak out about her patterns of abuse." And mm. how she was abused as a child, and she talked about mental health, and she was the first person in her lineage to say it, like this is what I'm dealing with. And even though the problems with addiction and alcoholism, she she had a harder time, and that came much later that she was able to say this is what's going on. People in our community had seen her as ending a cycle, mm. and that was mind blowing to me because I recognized that the abuse had been much worse prior, like generationally, and I was like, I'm gonna give her, I'm gonna give her some credit for that. You sure. know, and that was kind of one of those forgiveness like healing moments for me where it was like we're each doing the thing, right? Yeah. Generationally we're each trying to make it a little bit better than it was the year be- the generation before.
1: That's beautiful.
0: Yeah. It was this is a big one.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> it was like oh, going deep today.
0: <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I um I'm curious for those people who do and this is something that I struggle with, who do have someone in their life, a family member who was the perpetrator of this story or was the person who created this victim versus who became a survivor who became a change maker and they're still not in a healthy place how do you how do you reconcile that in your mind because i know for me it's You want to forgive, you want to love, but if they're not in the place to receive it in a healthy way, you also have to have really big boundaries with a capital B. Yeah. So, talk to me a little bit about that.
1: So, just so I understand the question, it's what do you do if, if somebody is hasn't done the work, or they're unwilling to do the work?
0: Yes, and they are, especially family members. You know, we've talked about like someone that's been close to you that has either raised you or been raised alongside you and you've done the work to forgive them they're not willing to do the work that it takes to have a healthy relationship when I go for it I feel like a lot of people especially who have been raised with um, alcoholic parents Mm -hmm. um, they don't know how to reconcile that relationship
1: yeah well you know and this is where we can probably do a dive into attachment right when we talk about You know, the cycle of people with alcoholic parents, a lot of times the belief that gets formed is I either one of two things. Number one, I'm responsible to emotionally regulate my parent Mm. because, you know, I know so many people that were, you know, dumping the vodka out of the bottle and replacing it with water or trying to, you know, to manage when the parent came off the rails or the other belief becomes well nobody will show up for me and I have to take care of myself and so intimacy becomes a problem Mm -hmm. you know that's what we call avoidant attachment you know where you literally there's a part of you that believes to be in proximity to people means I have to lose myself and you react accordingly but in terms of you know what other people are willing to do with their you know to respect your boundaries moving forward into a healing relationship It's it's your place to enforce the boundaries and they can either deal with that or they can't. You know, while we're talking, welcome to Mom Trauma Week (laughs) on the Gold Podcast. Uh, You know, I was talking to you before we started taping today. I had not had a relationship with my mother in 13 years. Um, Right around the time when my parents got divorced, my mom was calling, she was lashing out at me. I felt like she needed somebody to be angry at. My dad wasn't there. And I had been in therapy for a couple of years, and I had to redefine what that relationship is. Mm-hmm. And and really, by redefine it, I mean end it. So my mother and I have had no contact for the last thirteen years, and she came out of the woodwork recently. And we—this uh, was just on Halloween Day. Of of course it was on <laughs> Halloween. Yeah, of course it was Halloween Day. She was not wearing a Michael Myers mask, so you know, props to her for that, but she called me and we had a conversation. And she wanted to apologize for a lot of the things that she did. Uh, she wanted to apologize for the, the, the hitting and the yelling and the screaming and, and the cussing. And you know, then she's like, and there is no excuse, Daniel, there is no excuse. And then proceeded to spend about 25 minutes kind of making excuses for why it happened. And what was interesting for me in that moment, like 15 years ago, I would have reacted to that. She won't apologize, she won't do this, she won't give me what I want. And I was not at all in the trigger during the conversation, you know, because I just came to this point where I realized my mom doesn't know how to fully apologize. She doesn't know how to take responsibility. She, you know, it's easy for, and most of us don't, by the way, it's easy for us to live in a story of blame. Mm Um, And the only reason I didn't get the childhood that I wanted is because my mom didn't know how to do that. She had no base of experience in her upbringing that would have made her able to do that. And at the end of the conversation, you know, she was fishing for, you know, let's keep a, a dialogue going. And I wasn't ready to commit to it. And I just told her, I said, Mom, I was like, I don't know how to have an experience of you as a positive influence in my life. I'm willing to open a door to keep a relationship, but I don't know what that looks like right now, and we can address it down the road. Mm -hmm. And I felt pretty good about the conversation. We finished. About five days later, my phone rings, and it's my mom. And by the way, like, I don't know what how this happens. Like in the 13 years since I've seen her, she moved to the mountains of Kentucky. And now all of a sudden she sounds really Kentucky. (laughs) Daniel, it's mom. I'm like, oh, Lord. (laughs) But did you try to call me? I've got some, you know, block numbers on my phone. No, mom, I didn't. Well, how are you? And wanting to talk and like I should have said in that moment, "Mom, I'm not ready to move into weekly phone calls yet." Yeah. But I said, "Mom, I'm out with friends." Kind of true. I was out walking with my dog. I was out walking my dog. My <laughs>
0: I know this. They've seen his Instagram. Yeah, oh yes.
1: <laughs> Brady Mason pup on Instagram <laughs> if anybody wants to see a cute lab. Um but, you know, what it, I realized that the next conversation I have to have is reinforcing the boundary yeah. that, you know, look, here's i appreciate you saying that you love me i appreciate you apologizing and right now the best i can do is maybe a 20-minute call once a month mm-hmm. you know which is what i feel like i can handle right now that might change that might not yeah i don't know how she'll react to that yeah. but i also realize it's not my responsibility it's not it, that's not mine to hold that the best we can do in any situation, in any relationship, is be able to speak our truth with love. Many people don't get that.
0: No, and I appreciate that because that's a that's a thorn in my side. Yeah. People throw that, I'm speaking my truth and then say terrible things. Yeah. So no, I appreciate that.
1: You know, even on the conversation I had with my mom on Halloween, you know, part of it I acknowledged I was like, I appreciate it, but mom, you need to know I have spent my entire adult life a lot of money and a lot of time trying to unravel and undo the damage Mm -hmm. that was caused yeah you know and and I'm still working through those things yeah Uh, and but it's so important like when you're having those conversations with people that you talk about your feelings and your experience Mm -hmm. rather than them yeah Because if you're talking about them, you're probably blaming. You're making them responsible for why you feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just my opinion. For me, it was just like own how I feel, share that, and she can do with that what she wants or, or, or doesn't.
0: I think that's really beautiful. I like what you said. Like, I don't know how to have a positive experience with you. So this is it's new, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that's really powerful. And I'm thinking about the conversations that I've said. I haven't seen my mom in about 10 years. She wants very badly to meet my daughter. And Mm -hmm. I've been very hesitant about that. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it's been um, there's no active anger. There's no active sadness There's none of that. It's holding space and forgiveness, but also very, very, very strong boundaries Mm -hmm. and kind of standing in that. And I think that that's a really powerful message for anyone that's listening. Like when you're in those moments, especially with old family members and triggers and old stories and and trauma, rather than putting yourself back into that old place. And and basically, I mean, I've said this before, I'm like, we're trauma bonded, right? Like Mm -hmm. our experience of each other is in trauma. Stand as the person you are today. And, and hold that space for the person you are today, speaking the truth of the person you are today, and then allow them to react how they're going to with no attachment to it. I yeah. think that's a beautiful kind of thing. In many instances, takeaway.
1: we've done the work and they might not have. Yeah. Or they've only, they haven't only they have done as much work as yeah. we have. So, you know, the, the best thing that you can do… You know, and this is probably one of my big takeaways, because even I had my dad here visiting for four days, and my dad and I talk a couple times a week. There's a good relationship, but there's some issues and there's some pain there, mm-hmm. You know, particularly about the way he showed up or didn't show up when my mom was really out of control growing up. And we were able to have some conversations around that. But the big thing that came up for me and a revelation I've had just in the past week is trying to figure out how I want to put this there is nothing that my mom can say there is nothing that my dad can say there is nothing that they could do that is actually going to heal the inner child part of me yeah that's my responsibility now that's mine to take and that's mine to find a way forward and I'm still working through that but you know when we start talking about you know ultimately it's you learn to reparent yourself You know, you're talking about, like, parenting your daughter, Mm -hmm. and and that's beautiful, but it's also reparenting yourself and giving yourself the safety and security that you wanted other people to give you, and they didn't know how.
0: Yeah. No, I've done a lot of work around that, and I actually, when you're talking about the inner child, my inner child lives in this garden that I did this meditation one time, and it was like a shamanic healer, and she's like, picture this garden, blah, 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 and my inner child lives there, and she's happy as can be. And it's, it's kind of funny because the amount of work that you have to do. But I love what you just said um, because the way I've looked at it is I've been away from her for longer than I was with her. Mm-hmm. It is my responsibility now. Mm-hmm. I I can rely on myself. I am here for myself. Um, and I think that that was one of the most powerful things that I, I finally got to was like, you can't heal this. There's nothing that you – there's no moment or or, or apology that's going to make it go away, it's part of my DNA now. So it's it's my responsibility
1: to figure that part out. Yeah, I mean, you know, my mom apologized, but does that mean I'm going to go the rest of my life and be like, I'm enough in all ways. (laughs) I am worthy of all the love and abundance of the universe and, you know, whistle zippity-doo-dah as I skip down the street. No, you know, because now those beliefs have been, they've been there so long, it's become a pattern. Yeah. So now I have to... You know, that'd Break the a,
0: pattern, yeah. as they say, the Tony Robbins thing. Yeah. Break the pattern.
1: I and then it. walk on some hot coals. That's
0: right. Oh, that was powerful. Um, I know that we've done this before because you've been on the podcast, but I'm going to see if anything's changed. Um, my questions that I always ask.
1: Sure.
0: Younger Dan, especially after all of this catharsis that you've just gone through, is there any advice that you would give to your younger self?
1: Hmm. I would just give him a hug.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: I would give him a hug if I came across young me today. Mm-hmm. I just let him know, like it, it feels like garbage right now, but it's all going to work out. Yeah, and that he's stronger and more resilient than he realizes. I love that. And one day he's going to be able to take all the things that happened, all the pain, all the hurt, all the beliefs, and be able to use that in a way that allows him to sort of transmute that pain into something bigger. I love that. And I wouldn't say transmute because younger me wouldn't know what that (laughs) means. I'd find some way to explain that to him. Um, Yeah, I think that that's where I'm at with that right now.
0: I love that. I've never asked this of anybody when I've done these questions, but what about your, like, if you had to speak to your higher self right now, your future self, where you're heading, what would you say?
1: I'd say thank you. Because there have been times, like, when you talk about, like, going through the trauma healing there's been dark moments. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple times in my life when I was ready to end it and pack it in. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think that there was anything to live for or that I had anything to offer. And I do believe that had I not gone on the career reinvention journey that, I was gone, that I've gone on, and if I didn't build my coaching practice and I was still just chasing the next job in corporate America, expecting that to be the thing that would make me happy, mm-hmm there is i'll put it this way there is a better than 50 percent chance i'd be dead right now mm. and if not physically then just emotionally
0: spiritually yeah yeah
1: and i was probably already spiritually dead before you know but uh, so i would just say thank you i mean the the thing that kept me going, especially when I left corporate and I was making no money and I didn't really have clients and even the clients I had, I was scared to ask them to pay me. So I was doing it for like $40 a session. Mm -hmm. Um, What kept me going was just a sense of of serving others Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, being committed to something bigger than myself. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I love that. If you um, were to leave behind any nuggets of gold wisdom or inspiration Mm -hmm. for the next gen, what would it be?
1: What would, I, what would I say today? You are not what happened to you. Whatever that is, mm-hmm. whether it's a big T trauma or a little T trauma, you're not the thing that happened to you. And forgiveness is a tricky thing because I think a lot of times, particularly in the spiritual community, we try to force it. You know, mm-hmm. well, you're just not being spiritual unless you <laughs> forgive. Right. right. And then you're like, you know, stream of curse words. Do you not realize what I've been through? Right. It's. It has to happen organically. Mm-hmm. But the best way to approach forgiveness is also to realize forgiveness is not about what people have done to you or how they've hurt you or how they've betrayed you. Forgiveness it doesn't make what they did right it when you choose to forgive. It is a self focused tool that pretty much is just an admission that the past can't be changed. Yeah. And that I'm going to move forward and create a new story about how I relate to it.
0: I love that. I think forgiveness for me has been so interesting because when I have tried to force it and be, I'm going to do mantras and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And you're concentrating so hard on this spiritual attainment of forgiveness. it, it, it It's when it's like I wake up and I didn't, don't think about that person that day. Or when I get a phone call and it doesn't hurt as much. Mm-hmm. Or I don't I go a week and don't think about the thing. And I'm like, oh, that feels good. You know, it's it's in the moments where it's like you've practiced forgiveness. You've thought about how you want to forgive. But it, it's in the moments that I think I've realized I've released it because I haven't thought about it so much. It's not consuming me anymore. Mm. And I think that that has been really fascinating for me. Gr- grief and forgiveness have been very layered journeys for me. Mm-hmm. And it's always when I'm like, I didn't think about that person today. You know, I, and I lost um, I lost several friends and family members on a very short period of time, four people within the span of like a year. And um, one of them was a very good friend of mine. And even two years later, three years later, I'll be somewhere out and about and I'll see someone that has freckles across their face that look like hers and I'll Mm. just start crying, you know? Or I'll be at an airport restaurant and forget that we were snowed in and I order her salad and just start crying. Mm. And, but I'm like, but I didn't think about it. And I wasn't sad. For this amount of time. And I just think that's one of the things that I find so fascinating is what a layered experience we have just in life, but even in those big things in the forgiveness and in the
1: grief. Grief, especially because, like, you know, we go to these Tony Robbins events or whatever yeah. self help thing you go to, and it's all about, well, we got to reframe and we got to look at it differently. And yeah, but you can't reframe grief. Mm-hmm. The only thing you can do with grief is live it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that includes grieving for yourself. You know, if you've been disassociated for the pain of what happened to you, mm-hmm. um, y- you need a time to grieve that as well.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's just it's so powerful, and I love I love what you said because I think you you do have those moments, and sometimes we get we're hard on ourselves because we feel like we feel like we're not doing it right because we're not healed fast enough. Sure. Right? Or it's painful, and why can't I get through this? And why can't I get over it? And but giving ourselves some grace
1: yeah Um, and a misperception about trauma is we think it's like that one day we cure it right an old mentor of mine used to say all the time trauma is not a bacteria you don't take a z-pack and just clean it out and it's done Mm -hmm. it's a virus Mm -hmm. and it flares up again Mm -hmm. during times of stress or it flares up when you're ready for a massive up level you know when you're ready to go to a next level in your life then every time I've like leveled up in some area of my business over the last four years like it's almost like the where's waldo book it's just like you turn the page and now he's over in the other corner just like waving, <laughs> he hey is. hey dan it's your trauma right it's still here, still here <laughs> man got a
0: message for you yeah
1: just want you to remember you're not enough right and so but now i've been able to process that and i see it for what it is and i know that you know it's always going to be there sometimes it shows up in a different way or in a sneaky way where i don't consciously realize that's what it is but i'll be like oh yeah all right now we're back to the mom stuff okay Got it. Yeah. Move forward anyway.
0: I love that. It's a great message and something that I'm. I I'm going to visualize the where, Where's Waldo. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like there he is. Because like this, just this weekend, leveling up in a part of my my business, right? And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've had this belief, and I had no idea it was there, or I'm having issues of worth, or whatever. And so I think it's it's one of those things that I've always said, self development is a beautiful thing because it creates a, a wonderful toolbox. Sure. It's not that you're cured; it's that you got you have better, sharper tools yeah. and and a, a more resilient, supportive community.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. I want to thank you for being here in person today. I love taking gold on the road. That was this is amazing. Yeah, I <laughs> loved it.
1: I don't even know how long we went. Was this like a six-hour episode? I don't know. <laughs> no. I just kind of I'm like, like we covered a lot of ground.
0: We did. But thank you very much for being here in person and for what you're doing to support. I appreciate you.
1: My pleasure. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. I love every conversation I have with Dan because he is so real, so vulnerable, and so right. Be willing to have the hard talks with yourself so that you can create the life you are meant to live. You can find Dan on Instagram at CSCDanMason and online at creativesoulcoaching.net. Dan is also a contributor to Live app and created a killer challenge for those looking to uplevel their career dreams. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at either ms. Jeanette Schneider or the live movement at loveisviral.media or live at loveisviral.com. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Order my book, Lore: Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.